Hello, everybody. This is Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary for the week beginning Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. As a reminder, you can follow me intraweek on LinkedIn. Just go to LinkedIn and go to Herb Morgan. This is available as a subscription-based uh, piece of content. You can get the slides and hear my voice or just as a podcast on any podcast format. The presentation is prepared by me for use with you, whether you are an investor or a financial advisor. Either way, you're expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. The information contained herein is purely for informational purposes. Its accuracy, adequacy, or completeness cannot be guarantee. It was a brutally ugly week. Red, red, red across the board. The only thing that's not red is one I forgot to make red. That's the HFRX Global Hedge Fund Index. You can see it's negative. Everything was negative last week, uh, whether it was the S&P 500 down almost 6% on the week to long dated U.S. Treasuries down 1.71% for the week. This is a result of just a, a you getting to the point. Now, I don't know if we're exactly there yet, but we're getting to the point of capitulation-based selling, selling everything, raising cash. Some people are doing that out of fear. Some people are doing it out of necessity because maybe they're levered. Uh, for those of us that are long-only, unlevered, long-term investors, not entirely relevant what happened in the market this week. Don't get me wrong. It's not fun, but I want to, I'll, I'll, as we will go through, I'm going to give you the reasons why in the long run, of course, it doesn't matter quite so much. Let's get into the economic data first, though, starting with PPI for May that was released last week. Remember, it was a week earlier. We got the CPI. It really disappointed, although core did not, which is more important than headline. And the Fed then subsequently raised interest rates 75 basis points. We're going to get into some detail on that as we proceed. But PPI seems to have turn the corner starting to head down. PPI up eight tenths of a percent, right in line with expectations. Prior month though was revised down a little bit. That's good. The core, more important because it backs out the volatile food and energy components, was up less than expected. It was up five tenths, up five tenths. So we're happy with that as opposed to six tenths. Still not a great number, right? You can see that. Here, prior month revised down again. On a year-over-year -year basis, core PPI up 8.3. That's less than expected. Prior month was revised down from 8.8 .8 to 8.6. So headline PPI heading a little lower, core PPI heading a little lower. Remember this graph and this trend. Remember, this is what the Fed wants from letting their balance sheet run off and from uh, raising interest rates. They want to they have the prices start to get the price increases get less and then ultimately roll back. And they want to do that without creating a recession, losing jobs, overly impacting corporate profits, etc. So what happened last week with inflation expectations, which are a great indicator of where inflation is going to be. This is a graph that has the twos, the fives and the tens, the break evens. The break evens are a great indicator of where the market, the bond market, and TIPS bond market, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, believes inflation is heading. Very sophisticated, very large, well endowed with capital buyers, right? So March 25th, 
Two-year inflation expectations peaked at 4.9. They've been going steadily lower, a little bit of a spike back there with that PPI number, and then right back down here now at 3.8. So that's a nice decline. Five-year expectations declining, 10-year expectations declining. So I would say if I'm the Federal Reserve and I'm looking at what we've done and I'm looking at some of these data, I'm, I'm somewhat pleased. I don't expect them to go down overnight, but directionally it seems like we're getting, we're making progress. Okay, let's move on to the New York State and then the Philly Fed Manufacturing Survey. These are regional manufacturing surveys that come out ahead of the large national surveys from, from uh, S&P Global that we'll get this week. The June Empire State fell. The estimate was for a 2.3% increase. It was a small fall. It wasn't anything like we saw back in 2020 when we shut down the global economy. So um, is that horrible? It's not good, it's not great, but it also on, a, on the margin relieves inflationary pressure, right? So inflationary pressure is relieved based on that survey. Bring up the Philly Fed survey, went negative, estimated to go higher. Yes, it was a negative. It means manufacturing contracted, but it was a very small negative. We, and we, if the biggest problem we have right now is inflation, that again, it's relieved some of the inflationary pressure, which puts us closer to the end of the rate hikes. I'm not saying they're imminent. We're gonna to get to that later. But you know what? What would have been better? Well, a positive PMI here of you know two or three, a low but positive. But this is a very slightly negative. No reason to panic yet. Retail sales were were uh, down three tenths of a percent, estimated to be up. But there still remains this big chip shortage in automobiles, so new car sales have been horrible. Backing out those automobile sales five-tenths of a percent, a little bit lower than expected, all okay, not the end of the world. However, one of the negatives is gasoline. Just the price of gasoline means we're spending more on it. Doesn't mean the economy's better. It means the price of gasoline is really high. So there's a lot to read through this retail sales number. The e-commerce number I find to be really, really more valuable now, uh, but the e-commerce sales number is only a quarterly number. We'll be getting the June quarter end number in July, um, and we'll wait and see what that, that looks like. Business inventories rose up 1.2%, estimated to be up 1.2%. Nation CEOs are feeling pretty good. Inventory to sales ratio, pretty good. Nothing to really be too concerned about here. Then we got a big uh, plunge in housing market sentiment. This is how the nation's builders feel about their business based on a survey. What are they seeing? in terms of traffic, buyers, et cetera. Well, 67 was the lowest in two years. But remember, we got way, way, way below 50 back in the housing crisis. And the line of delineation between negative and positive is 50. So is this a negative number or is this positive in the fight against inflation? Well, I think it's positive in the fight against inflation. So long as we keep it you know, above 50, we don't plunge below like we did back in uh, the recession of 2020. A lot of negatives in that report, to be sure. Uh, rising mortgage rates are cooling the frenzy. That's a result in part, the Fed raising the Fed funds rate, of course, but lead times for materials still, still long and strong, costs remaining high, especially labor. So that's still an issue, but at 67, 
They're selling a lot of houses and making a lot of money. Then we had the FOMC, Federal Open Market Committee, meet last week. And even though a month earlier, Chairman Powell had said, no, we haven't even discussed raising rates 75 basis points. We were kind of thinking 50. Uh, the market expectations adjusted quickly, and they then came, because of the CPI report, then they came through and raised 75 basis points. So this is the Fed Fund's upper target bound, which really before COVID, let's call it a range of two to two and a half. We are now up to 175. But unlike prior to that, we had a, we had a robust economy and we didn't have a lot of inflationary pressure. So what's likely to happen at the upcoming meetings? Well, the best place we can look is on the Bloomberg terminal at the World Interest Rate Probability, which makes uh, assumptions based off of how people are making large financial bets in the futures markets. There is no um, Fed meeting in August, but we have a July meeting. And right now, at least as of last week, we're expecting 75 basis points. But that implied move based on those futures contracts is starting to come down. It's still at 71, which means probably still more likely that they do 75 than they do 50. But there's a lot to happen between now and July 27th. That, that's more than a month away. We gotta watch, they're gonna watch inflation expectations. They're gonna watch the stock market. They're going to watch credit spreads. They're gonna watch interest rates. They're gonna watch weekly employment claims. They're gonna watch the, the big ISM numbers that come out. They're gonna look at the June's, June job report that comes out. And I think this number could easily move down to 50 basis points but it can also easily be 75. Then you've got September. They're looking at now 60. Well, that's closer to 50 than 75. So, you know, if we get up to 75 here, right, that could put us at two and a quarter, two and a half, and you can see where the implied Fed fund rate is growing. We go back to the prior slide, and you can see, take this out a little ways, and you're back to where we were, easily where we were before COVID. Could we even go a little above it? Yeah, we could. And we could if the high inflation numbers persist. But remember, the Fed looks at the core PCE inflation rate. I know we're all feeling the gasoline problem, and that's what we see. But if other items start to, to moderate, and gasoline's the only thing that remains high, then I think that the Fed would act, would stop raising rates because they're not, gasoline is not, believe it or not, their primary concern. The other thing that's happening that's deflationary going forward. Remember, there's so many inflationary events, so many inflationary events because of COVID, handing out checks, massively increasing the money supply, buying up, lowering interest rates, massive federal spending. All of these things created uh, the inflation that we're experiencing today. One of those was the Fed buying U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities in the open market, violently driving interest rates so low that it spurred massive amounts of economic activity, which of course was inflationary. Well, the, the, the balance sheet of the Fed, it seems to have topped out, let's call it just under $9 trillion. It's barely begun to budge lower, but in the coming months, this number is going to go down. That's taking some money out of the system. That's taking some money out of the system. That is, the opposite of inflationary, it's deflationary. So you can see why inflation expectations are starting to roll over. 
the real question in the markets today is, is this enough to bring about inflation without causing a recession? Or does the Fed have to go full on Paul Volcker 1982, raise interest rates so month, you literally just create a massive recession, recession, but that's the only way you can bring down inflation. Right now, I'm not betting on that, not thinking that's necessarily um, the case. The other thing that happened, of course, from COVID is this gold line here on this graph, or excuse me, the blue line here on this graph. The blue line is the growth year over year of the money supply, left-hand graph. Well, when you grow your money supply by 10% year over year, 15, 20, remember this is the Fed buying all those bonds, injecting all that liquidity, ultra low short-term interest rates from the Fed funds. This is pumping money, or we sometimes call it printing money, goes into the system. Milton Friedman famously quipped, inflation is always an everywhere a monetary phenomena. We pumped money, pumped money, pumped money. Then the gold line, which is the CPI, they were afraid it was going to be deflationary back during the recession. It began to crawl up, higher, 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 and then rolled significantly higher, far exceeding expectations. But now, the year-over-year -year growth in the money supply is declining and declining sharply. Now we're getting closer to 2% in the money supply, which in the long run is the Fed's target for inflation. So this is another indicator of deflationary, or I should say less inflationary, um, things happening within the economy. So I'm starting to, you know, I'm still on that. We peaked on that core inflation number, and we think it's going to continue to head lower. Whether or not it comes into a recession, I'm going to get to later here in the, uh, in the broadcast. Housing starts were down 15% uh, month over month. We know the culprits for that. It's uh, builders uh, can't get employees, can't get supplies, although that's easing a little bit. They're worried about prices because if prices of homes start to come down and the price of a home in terms of a payment has gone way up, and if their input prices haven't come down, I, you know, housing build, build home builders are going to think twice about having more and more starts. So they were probably smart to pull back and to pull back on their permits. These numbers are still, though, at a pretty high level historically. Nothing that su suggests um, recession, right? Nothing that recession. And weekly claims for unemployment. Now, I took off the six million a week because that was just a crazy number. And I zoomed in here. This is now just a little over a one year graph. Initial claims last week, 229,000, tiny bit above estimates. Prior week, 229,000 again, continued claims 1.3. This range down here, this below 300, is a very, very healthy labor market. The Fed is watching this very, very closely. Definitely the economy is cooling, but it was running too hot. And so they're taking their foot off the accelerator a little bit, bringing down the speed of the economy, and you're going to see this number continue to tick up. What they don't want is if for it to tick up materially above 300,000, because that means a recession, in my mind, means a recession is a little more likely than not. So again, this here little rise, it's not much, but it says, it, 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 what it says is there's a little bit of a release on those inflationary pressures in the labor market. Moving on, industrial production and capacity utilization. Production rose two tenths in May. Capacity utilization was uh, unchanged at 79 and a little bit below the estimate of 79.2. We'll go back here. We were at 80. Go back here, we're a little below 80. 
we're right kind of in a sweet spot there on production and utilization. If we get much ab above 80, that's inflationary. The fact that it seems to have leveled out is a little bit of a release valve for some of those inflationary pressures, okay? Not to say it's done, not to say they've whipped it, just a little bit of a release valve on some of that. On the negative side, last week, conference board's leading economic index, third consecutive monthly decline. This is also releasing some of the inflationary pressure, right? If leading indicators are going down, what drove it down? Well, mostly it was a negative stock market returns driving it down, and they can be a leading indicator to economic activity, but nothing like what we had back in 2020, right? And this is a volatile series. You do have down months. We went a long period of time without many down months because we were coming back from the recession. Does this make me overly worried? No, not really. If this thing was skyrocketing higher, I'd be saying, yay, the economy's growing, but the inflationary pressures are too much. We don't have enough demand. We don't have enough supply. We don't have enough labor. So this is starting to see early effects of the Fed raising the Fed funds rate, of beginning the balance sheet runoff, uh, all of that starting to come in. I don't want to see big negative months here. Little minus, minus 0.4%. I'm okay with that. I can survive. So what really matters, I know to most of you, is what the heck's going to happen with the stock market, right? What's going to happen with the stock market? We know the stock market's been going down. We know that the, P, the forward P.E. ratio has gone from a 25-26 or higher range all the way down to 16. We know that a, a P.E. of 16 is very reasonable for the S&P 500, uh, but this is a forward P.E., meaning it's the price divided by the earnings estimates and different scale left-hand scale now, the blue line represents the earnings per share estimate of the S&P 500. This is updated daily in my Bloomberg terminal, and we're all talking about the possibility of recession, yet no analysts are lowering their earnings estimates. Why not? Well, earnings analysts tend to not be too proactive. They tend to wait until conference call season and earnings season, which is going to begin here about two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks, we'll get the financials, we move on into the other companies, the big tech names will report, et cetera, et cetera. And at this time, first of all, financials, you know, they, they, they can swing wildly based on write-offs, right? Writing at mark-to-market accounting, um, tech, not so much. But the growing consensus is that companies are going to start to guide a little lower. And if you guide a little lower and the earnings are not 228, I'm just gonna pick a number, let's make the earnings 200. If the earnings are 200, then the PE is a little higher than it looks. What we don't know is how much guidance lower there will be, if any, and how the market will react at all. We do know that earnings estimates came down greatly in 2020, and we know that the PE ratio got down significantly lower even than it is today. But we also know that the Fed reacted and fiscal policy reacted and the economy recovered and we got vaccines and earnings went back on their merry way. So is, was 3,700 the low on the S&P last week? I don't know. But as an investor, I know it's a lot lower than it was. I like to buy low. If I have cash, I like to invest. And I'm really looking out not for where the exact bottom of this cycle is, whether it's the market or the earnings revisions or anything else. I'm looking out over my investment time horizon. And I know that in the, in the past, 
earnings recessions or recessions or stock market down moves have been followed by up moves and gone to new highs. And I just believe that's the case with American capitalism, that it'll continue and it'll go back. And I personally use these opportunities, if I have cash, to get it into the markets and, and stick to high quality, great, 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 great companies. So um, trying to be fair and balanced and looking at uh, the worst case scenario, I think the worst case scenario is we do get those earnings estimates downgrades, the guidance, and then it follows. And I'd say, you know, take earnings down 10%, 12%, maybe even 20%. And then if you take your multiple and keep it kind of low, you could get down to, you could see another 20% drop in the S&P from here. But I believe it would be temporary if it happens. I don't put a high likelihood or a high probability on that. Investing is about reacting to whatever happens, not predicting what happens. It's how you react, not your ability to predict. Nobody's perfect at predicting. I do it for a living and my record's just okay. All right, let's move on here to data this week. Uh, Nothing yesterday, it was a holiday, federal holiday. Tuesday, today, existing home sales looking at about five and a half million. Wednesday, tomorrow, there's the big, there's no economic data, but you've got the chair, chairman of the Federal Reserve testifying in the Senate. There, he is going to be grilled. I mean, absolutely grilled on inflation. And then he'll go to the House on Thursday. Jobs claims the uh, S&P used to be called ISM, uh, or excuse me, used to be called, um, yeah, used to be called ISM. PMIs uh, for manufacturing services on Thursday. Yeah, it used to be called Marquette, sorry. Friday, Michigan sentiment, 50.2. That's a pretty low number. And then new home sales estimated to come in at about 590,000. Thanks everybody for the likes and the thumbs up, the retweets, the LinkedIn chat, et cetera. We'll talk to you again next week.